the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15, that's the verse that we've set out to think about this Christmas season as we ready for Christmas Day and all that it means. And so as we ready for Christmas, we're looking at salvation stories, how God has saved men and women to himself. So last Sunday, we looked at the story of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, how God stepped in and, and saved him. And this week, we're going to go into the Old Testament and find God's grace as it's applied to King Hezekiah. So if you would turn with me this morning to the book of Isaiah, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning is Isaiah 38, verse 1 through verse 22. So Isaiah chapter 38. Let's give our attention to God's good word. Isaiah 38, starting in verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with the whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back ten steps. So the sun turned back on the dial the ten steps by which it had declined. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning. Like a lion, he breaks all my bones. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. But in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol does not thank you, death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. 
The Lord will save me and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil that he may recover. Hezekiah had said also, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Let's pray. Oh, Father, we rejoice at this fact. You are a God who loves sinners. And you love them. You love them from the pit of destruction. You are that sort of God. And so we come this morning and we come asking. First of all, we come asking that those of us who are in Jesus, that through this text in Isaiah chapter 38, through Hezekiah's story, You would build us up in faith and assurance, knowing that all of our sins have been cast behind your back, that we might be able to walk in light of that. And we pray also that those who who are walking outside of Jesus, living outside of Christ, that you would do a great and sovereign work today, that you would shine light and let men and women see this great gospel, and that you would draw them to yourself through Jesus, that they too might be able to say with Hezekiah, you have loved my soul from the pit of destruction. And so, Father, that is what we come desiring this morning, and we trust that you will do this through the working of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start us off this morning as we think about Isaiah chapter 38 and the story of Hezekiah, I want to start us off with a phrase, and the phrase is a mixed bag, a mixed bag. So you might have said before, my, my day was a, a mixed bag sort of day, or my week has been a, a, a mixed bag, or the weather, it's a mixed bag. And when we use that phrase, we're just testifying to reality that this life that we live is mixed with both good things and bad things, and often, most often, good things and bad things are mixed together, one good thing, one bad thing right after another. And so we have this phrase, a mixed bag, and I want to put this to work with a question Does God love someone who is a mixed bag? Does God God love someone who is a mixed bag? Or to put it another way, is his saving works, is his saving deeds for the person full of both good and bad, both righteous and unrighteousness, both pure and impure, is God for that kind of person? So I don't want to just put that phrase to work. I want to make that phrase a bit personal this morning because... My assumption is that this room is full of people, men and women, who are mixed bags. And so I want to hit your heart. So let's work here for a moment. You are a mixed bag person. If you did something kind for someone in your family this morning, but then a few minutes later, out of irritation or impatience, you did something rotten to someone in your family this morning. You're a mixed bag person if you spent time seeking God's face in the morning, but in that very same day, in the afternoon, you lived as if God didn't exist or matter. You are a mixed bag if you believe in God's goodness and sovereignty, but then later on, you complain or grumble about the hand you are dealt in this life. You are a mixed bag if you you kept yourself pure for five consecutive days. But on the sixth day, you fell into some gross 
sin. And I could keep going on this morning, couldn't I, with different scenarios, but here's the point. Does God love the man who does one good thing, but then follows that one good thing up with completely, something completely rotten? Does God love the woman who, who does a few righteous deeds, but also does many more or, or, or many evil deeds? Is there salvation for the person who is a mixed bag? Is there salvation for you, for me? That's the question we are asking this morning. And so as we turn to Isaiah chapter 38, the man that we find at the center of this story, the man who goes by the name Hezekiah, he qualifies as a mixed bag. Let me describe him for you. So Hezekiah was king of Judah, and during his life, he did all sorts of good things. For example, he brought about religious reform in Jerusalem, insisting that the law of God would be obeyed. Here's a king who set his heart upon the law of God, and he insisted that everybody under his realm and sway would follow God's law as well. He started an idol-smashing movement, inciting the people of God to remove idols from their homes and their cities, smashing them and destroying them. He was a man filled with godly zeal. He was like an evangelist. At one point in his life, he set his heart upon having a, a, a Passover celebration. And so what did he do? He sent messengers from Dan to Beersheba throughout the whole land of Israel, calling men and women to come celebrate the works of God. And even more, he was a man of faith. At one point during his life, he was surrounded by the mighty power of Assyria. They were coming to destroy him and his city. And what did Hezekiah do? Well, he went to the Lord in faith and he prayed and he said this, O Lord our God, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. So here's Hezekiah and we can say he was a man who did much good in his life. A lot of good. In fact, the Bible gives him high praise. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, says this about Hezekiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. Here's a man who did a lot of good. But there's more to this man. He did not just do good, but he did evil. In fact, he did great evil. Let me describe that for you. Hezekiah was a man who pitied himself. He was a whiner and a complainer, something not only sinful, but something that's off-putting and annoying. He gave into arrogance during his life. His success, his riches, his achievements, all of his grand accomplishments went right to his head. And when messengers from Babylon came into the city, he boasted before them. And this paved the way to his greatest sin. As a result of his arrogance, the Lord sent a prophet to him, and the prophet dropped a severe rebuke into his lap. The Lord, through the prophet, said to Hezekiah, in coming days after you are dead, I'm going to take your sons and your riches and all of your accomplishments and hand them over to a foreign people. I'm going to destroy your heritage. But what did Hezekiah do? Hezekiah didn't care. When he received that word of rebuke, he didn't weep, he didn't pray, he didn't cry, and he didn't do any of these things because all he cared about was himself. He knew that the judgment was going to come after he was dead, and as long as he got to enjoy his gold, his comfort, his throne, his peace, he was okay with it. And he said in his heart, when this word of rebuke came his way, we find it in Isaiah 39, verse 8, there will be peace and security in my days. 
And so we can say that Hezekiah was a mixed bag. You can reach into Hezekiah's life and you can find both good and evil. In one moment, you can reach into Hezekiah's life and you there, there find faith. There he is full of faith. And the next time you, you pull a vent out of his life, you find him there acting as if God didn't exist or if he didn't care about God at all. One moment, we find Hezekiah running after obedience with everything he has. It doesn't matter how much it costs or how much it hurts. There he is going after it. But in the next moment, there we find Hezekiah, and he is foolish, so foolish and careless. One moment, he is vigorously working for the people of God, that they would be reformed, and that they would know God and worship God rightly. But then in the next moment, all he can think about is himself. He is self-consumed and, and self-absorbed. And here we can return to the question we started with. Would God love, would God save somebody like Hezekiah, a mixed bag man. Well, I don't want to hold off here, keep you in suspense. I'm going to tell you the answer to our question. The answer is yes. God will save somebody like Hezekiah. He will save the mixed bag man, the mixed bag woman. In fact, Hezekiah gives us the answer himself. So in the midst of our text, there is narrative, and then there is narrative. In the middle of the narrative, there is this song that Hezekiah wrote, and Hezekiah sings this, verse 17, you loved my soul from the pit of destruction. And at the end of the song, he, he ends his song with these words, verse 20, the Lord will save me, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Will God save the mixed bag man, the mixed bag woman? Here is the answer, yes. And that is good news. Hear this, have you done both good and evil in your life? Have you performed works of righteousness and unrighteousness? Is your heart full of purity and impurity? Hear the good news of the gospel. There is salvation for year for you. Hear the good news about God. He sets his heart upon people like you, like Hezekiah. And so what we're going to do this morning is we want to dig into this news and we want to work through Hezekiah's story of salvation. Now, Hezekiah's story is a simple story. There's just three parts to Hezekiah's story. There's Hezekiah's sickness, Hezekiah's prayer, and Hezekiah's recovery. So three parts. We're just going to work through these three parts. But we're going to see as we work through each part, each one of these parts is weighted down with theology. Each one of these parts teaches us about God and our sin, and the salvation offered to us in Jesus. And so as we work through this simple story, we're going to be pausing here and there, drawing out knowledge for ourselves and what this means for us. And my aim in this is this, that by the Spirit's help, and that as the Word works, we would all at the end of the sermon be able to sing with Hezekiah, you have loved my soul from the pit of destruction. And that we would be able to sing with Hezekiah with hope for the future, saying this, the Lord, he will save me. That's what we want this morning. So let's get to work in the text. Let's look at the first part of the story, Hezekiah's sickness. So look at your Bibles. Look at verse 1. We find, about, uh, find out about this situation Hezekiah is in. The text says, in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And so we see that the sickness is severe, and it has something to do with 
a boil, if you look down at verse 21. And apparently, this sickness that is so severe is unexpected. Hezekiah laments, verse 10, in his song, he says, I said in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. And so we take in this information. Here is Hezekiah. We're picturing him in our mind. He is at the point of death. This is unexpected. And he is in the middle of his years. And what starts to happen to us? Well, our, our sympathies are worked up. We hear news about a friend who has this unexpected illness in the middle of his or her days, and our, our sympathies are worked up for that person. We have to keep working in the text because there's something more here than just a tragedy. The first hint we get that there's more to this story is the visitor that Hezekiah receives. So Isaiah the prophet comes to Hezekiah's bedside, and he doesn't bring a bouquet of flowers or a hallmark card saying get well or a box of chocolates he comes with the word of God Isaiah says this this is not the word you want to get on your deathbed thus says the Lord set your house in order for you shall die you shall not recover and that gets us thinking doesn't it this sickness has something to do with the Lord here is Hezekiah sick and here is the Lord's servant there telling Hezekiah he's going to die and he's not going to get well in fact when we keep studying the passage we we learn more about this Hezekiah affirms this he says in verse 12 he compares the Lord to a weaver who is cutting off a garment and who is the garment getting cut off the loom well it's Hezekiah The Lord is cutting his life off. And so we wrestle with this. What is going on here? Here is the prophet Isaiah. Here is Hezekiah talking about a loom and a weaver, and he's getting cut off. What is he he saying? Is he saying that the Lord is sovereign over his death? Well, yes. But is there something more going on here? Well, there is more going on. Look at verse 13. Hezekiah says this, and it's disturbing. He's speaking about the Lord, and he says this, like a lion, he breaks all my bones. Now think of National Geographic here. You think of a lion, and there is the prey, maybe a deer or an antelope or a gazelle, and here is the lion tearing at that prey, devouring him, destroying it. And what is Hezekiah saying? That's the Lord. That's me. The Lord is destroying me. And so what's that root under all of this in this story? The Lord is after Hezekiah. The Lord is seeking to destroy Hezekiah. And this keeps us thinking, doesn't it? We know something about the Lord. The Lord isn't capricious or evil. The Lord is holy and upright and good. And so what is the Lord doing here? Well, the Lord is visiting judgment upon Hezekiah for unforgiven sin. Why is the Lord a lion? Why is the Lord a weaver cutting him off from the loom? Because of unforgiven sin. And we'll see that clearly as we work more in the text. But I want to stop here. The scene is really uncomfortable. It's terrible. We're hearing about Hezekiah's unforgiven sin and what the Lord is doing to him. He's like a lion tearing at him. And it's a good spot just to stop and reflect. There are two truths to consider. One about God and one about us. The first truth is this. God visits judgment upon unforgiven sin. God visits judgment upon unforgiven sin. And there's a temptation that stalks each one of us in this life, and it is this temptation to believe that God does not exist and that God will not act in this world to judge sin. Psalm 10 verse 11 puts it like this. 
He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. The temptation is to believe that God is not going to judge us for our sins. And what this story does is it bludgeons us graciously with the truth. God does not forget. He is not far away. He sees everything. Just look at Hezekiah here. God found Hezekiah. God made Hezekiah sick. And then God passed his judgment of death upon him. You shall die. You shall not recover. Set your house in order, thus says the Lord. And so there's the truth. God visits judgment upon unforgiven sin. And there's a truth about us that we need to reckon with. The truth is this. If you die with unforgiven sin, there is no hope for you. If you die with unforgiven sin, there is no hope for you. And so when we turn to Hezekiah's song, we find him overwhelmed with despair. He laments in verse 11. He says this, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. And then again in verse 18, he laments with, with greater pointedness. He says this, for Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. Hezekiah is despairing, and we have to listen very carefully to his despair. Hezekiah is not just afraid of death here. He's facing it. It is coming his way, but his fear is not death. His fear is what death will mean for him and for the Lord. He fears entering death in an unforgiven state. He knows that if he dies in the judgment of the Lord without reconciliation, without forgiveness, without pardon, he will find himself without hope meaning he will be excluded from the faithfulness of the Lord. He says this, those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. And that is not some abstract saying about the dead. That is a saying about the dead who die unforgiven. There is no hope because God's faithfulness does not apply to them. And what the text of Scripture is doing here is it's working on us and, and pushing on us. There's something to be feared more than death and all the terrible things that surround death. Just imagine all the terrible things. There's cancer and dementia and all of these, these things that bring pain to us. But what the text is saying, there's something to be feared more than dying, and it's dying unforgiven. For here's the truth. If you die unforgiven, there is no remedy for your sin. There belongs to the unforgiven no portion of hope or mercy or love or comfort, just wrath forever. So there we have Hezekiah's sickness. And we can see it's weighted with theology. We begin to see God for who he is. And we have to start to reckon with ourselves for who we are and what our sin means. We can move on to the second part of this story, Hezekiah's prayer. So we've already established the fact that Hezekiah is sick and dying, and he is sick and dying because of his sin against the Lord. But there's one important piece of information we cannot overlook or sidestep, and it's this. Hezekiah is still alive. He isn't dead yet. And just settle on that for a moment. The Lord has made Hezekiah sick. Yahweh did that. The Lord drew Hezekiah near to the gates of Sheol. The Lord did that. The Lord sent Isaiah and gave him this this harsh word of, of death. You shall die. You shall not recover. But graciously, we see this. The Lord didn't kill Hezekiah. And this whole setup alerts us to the fact that the Lord is doing something here. There is a reason for this sickness and this harsh word of judgment and all the pain that Hezekiah has to go through. 
And Hezekiah tells us the reason for this. In verse 17 of his song, he says this, Behold, it was for my welfare. Behold, it was for my good that I had great bitterness. And Hezekiah is helping us so much here. Hear this and believe this. Brother, sister, every hard word in Scripture, those verses about hell, those texts about judgment, those chapters about God's wrath, they have been given to us in all their bitterness and horridness for our good, for our welfare. What is bitterness for? It's for our our good. And so we pick them up and we read them, we take them in and we don't flinch. We let them invade our thoughts and our imaginations and we let them do their work. And what is their work? They turn us from sin back to God. They perform a simple, gracious work. They, They turn God's people from their sin back to God. That's why God gives us this bitterness that we would turn to see him. And this is exactly what the bitterness And Hezekiah's life did for him. It turned him from his sin back to God. And we see this turn in verses 2 and 3. Listen to what happens to Hezekiah. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. This bitterness did something good for Hezekiah. And what is the good? He is seeking the Lord's face. Now, two comments are necessary on this prayer. First comment is this. Hezekiah's prayer is a faulty prayer. Now, Hezekiah doesn't state his request, but it's rather obvious what his request is. He is seeking salvation from death, from judgment, from sin. But in the process of making this prayer to to be free from these realities, he prays something that just doesn't fit. He says to the Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness. He says to the Lord, remember how I have done good things or I have done good in your sight. What is Hezekiah doing? Well, he's trying to bargain with the Lord here. He's imagining that he can put his whole life on a balance, his good and his bad on on a scale, and that his good would outweigh the bad. And because of that, the Lord would be so moved to work salvation for him. But as we think about the story, that just doesn't make sense of the story. The Lord is the sovereign God, the omniscient God. He knows all things. He knows every good thing that Hezekiah did and every bad thing that Hezekiah did. And what did the Lord do knowing all of that? We sent a judgment of death on him. We say, Hezekiah, this doesn't even make sense of your own life. God is judging you for your sin. Why are you pleading the good things in your life? Even more, this doesn't make sense, the God, of, the God we know in the Bible. The God that we know in the Bible is not a God to be bargained with about sin and good works. He is holy and righteous and good, and there is no bargaining before him. So we need a second comment. And the second comment is this. The Lord heard Hezekiah's faulty prayer. Now, I don't want to spoil the story, but the Lord heals and saves Hezekiah. And this should absolutely stun us. If you're keeping a mental tally of what's going on in this story, 
It goes like this. Hezekiah has dug a hole because of his sin, and now judgment has come upon him. And then he goes to the Lord in prayer, and he, he prays a faulty prayer. And what does he do? Well, he just keeps digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And as we assess this whole situation, we say, this man doesn't really deserve anything from the Lord for his sin and for his prayer. He's a faulty man. He has a faulty prayer. But listen what the Lord does. He says in verse 5 to Hezekiah this, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, behold, I will add 15 years to your life. The Lord saves Hezekiah, and we ask, well, what is moving the Lord to answer? Look at the text. The Lord mentions Hezekiah's prayer in tears. We see that. What is super interesting here is that the Lord doesn't mention anything about his faithfulness or the quality of his heart or the the good deeds he had done throughout his life. What does the Lord do? He pushes all of those things to the side. He doesn't pay attention to them, and he bases everything upon this one matter. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. Why is the Lord answering Hezekiah? Because of his relationship with David. The Lord is saying to Hezekiah this, I save you not because of what you have done, but because of my promise, the promise I made to David back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. I hear you not because of your faithfulness, but because of my faithfulness to my covenant and my promise. I redeem you not because of your goodness, because of the goodness of my own heart. I save you because I am merciful and gracious and nothing else. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, Your father, I have heard your prayers, and I have seen your tears. And behold, I will add 15 years to your life. And this exchange between Hezekiah and the Lord opens up a wide window for us. Hezekiah needed mercy from God because of his sin. That's obvious. That makes sense to us as we think about the gospel of Jesus. But Hezekiah's need didn't stop there for mercy. His prayer needed God's mercy. In fact, his faith needed God's mercy. The whole of Hezekiah from the inside to the outside, from the the toes of his feet to the very hair on the top of his head, needed God's mercy. And we get good news here. What does God do? What is God like? He supplies all the mercy that Hezekiah needs and more. We begin to learn about ourselves here, don't we? You need God's mercy. You need his mercy for all of your sins, but your need for mercy doesn't stop there. Your prayers, they need God's mercy. Your faith, they need God's mercy too. Anything imperfect, impure, or mixed needs God's mercy. And here's the truth. Everything we do is imperfect, impure, and mixed. Sin just contaminates everything, and so we need mercy to cover the whole of our life, from the very top of our head to the very toes of our feet, to the outside of us, to the very inside of us, needs God's mercy. And this is such an encouragement for us, because God is a God who does what? He is rich in mercy. And if you go to God through Christ Jesus, what does he do? He showers you with mercy upon mercy, not just on your sins, but on your prayers and even upon your faith. He saves those who are imperfect. And so there we have the second part of the story, Hezekiah's prayer. And we learn about ourselves, just how sinful we are, but we learn about God and how gracious he is to forgive 
even men who pray imperfect prayers. And this brings us to the last part of the story, and that's Hezekiah's healing. And the story ends with healing, and it's a, a strange healing. Isaiah comes back to Hezekiah, and he, he speaks to Hezekiah's servants, those who are attending him, and he tells those that to take a cake of figs and, and put it on the boil. I don't know what that would have done, but the Lord used it, whatever the case, to save Hezekiah. Now, this scene, this healing of Hezekiah, is one that requires some thought. And so, at the end of the story, we find Hezekiah alive, and we need to do some reasoning here because this is profound. If Hezekiah lives, that must mean something. What does it mean? It means that the Lord removed his sentence of judgment upon Hezekiah. And if the Lord has removed his sentence of judgment upon Hezekiah, it means then that there's something, something happened with that unforgiven sin. And so this leads us to ask at the end of the story, we see Hezekiah living, what happened to Hezekiah's sin? That's the linchpin of the whole story. God's judging him because of his sin, and now he's living. And so we ask, what happened with his sin? Look at verse 17. Hezekiah explains, he says, But in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. And so our answer comes in a piece of poetry. And so Hezekiah tells us he was headed where he was headed for the pit. His life was to be marked out by destruction forever. But he tells us what happened. The Lord intervened. And the the Hebrew literally reads like this. You loved my soul from the pit of destruction. It's a beautiful phrase. You loved my soul from the pit of destruction. What is Hezekiah saying? It was the Lord's love that found him out, pulled him back, and brought him to safety. You loved my soul from the pit of destruction. And his readers were interested and were asking, well, how how did the Lord do that? What does it look like for the Lord to to love someone's soul back from the pit of destruction? Well, the poetry goes on. Hezekiah tells us, the Lord took his sin and cast all of it behind his back. The imagery is so powerful here. We ask, where is Hezekiah's sin? Is it before the Lord? Are the eyes of the Lord focused upon it? Does the anger of the Lord burn against it? Does the Lord remember his sin day after day? Will the Lord bring that sin into judgment? Will the Lord avenge himself against it? No, Hezekiah says, the Lord has taken his sin and he has put it behind him. It isn't before him. His eyes don't look at it. His anger doesn't burn against it. He will not remember it ever again. He will not avenge himself against him. None of it will be brought into judgment. That's what Hezekiah is telling us. That's how the Lord has loved his soul back from the pit. By taking all of his sins and casting them behind him. Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, puts it like this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So hear it and believe it. If you go to God this day, laying claim to the Son of God who died for sinners, God will do what? He will take your sins and cast all of them behind his back. Meaning he will not look upon them anymore. He will not judge them against you. His anger will not burn against you. None of that. And if you go to God, laying claim to the Son of God, You get the pleasure to say with Hezekiah, you loved my soul from the pit 
of destruction. Even more, if you have gone to God, if you have laid claim to Jesus, if you have appropriated the saving and cleansing blood to your soul, good news embraces you in this moment once again. What is the good news that that embraces you? It's this, God has taken all of your sins and he has cast all of them behind his back. Brother, sister, and Jesus, I ask you this morning, where is your sin? Is it before the Lord? Are the eyes of the Lord forever fixed upon it? Does the anger of the Lord burn against your sin this morning? Will the Lord bring you into judgment in a future day? Will the Lord avenge himself against you? Well, for those of us in Jesus, the answer is all the same. We say with Hezekiah, lifting up our voices with boldness, you have cast all my sins behind your back. And we say that with boldness because we know this, Christ bled and died for our sins, and they are canceled. And so we say, no, the eyes of the Lord do not see my sin. And the anger of the Lord does not burn against my sin. And the Lord will never bring me into judgment. The Lord will not avenge himself against me. Christ has died for me. And he has loved my soul from the pit of destruction because he has cast all my sins behind his back. And so that's Hezekiah's very simple story. We see Hezekiah is sick and, and it makes us think about God. Who is God? He's a God who who judges unforgiven sin. And it it makes us think about ourselves. If I die with unforgiven sin, there is no hope for me because I will be outside the faithfulness of God. Then we heard Hezekiah's prayer. God brings bitterness into our lives through the events in our lives, even through the theology that we have to deal with in the scriptures for our good. And so we see that Hezekiah was turned around through this bitterness. He sought the face of the Lord. And he prayed a faulty prayer. It was a faulty prayer. But what happens? God yet heard him. Why? Because God is full of mercy. And then we find Hezekiah alive and healed. And what does that tell us? It tells us that God forgave all of his sins. And what does it tell us? It tells us this. If we go to God through the Son who died for sinners... God, too, will cast all of our sins, all of your sins, behind his back. And so let's go back to the question we started with. Does God love a mixed bag person? Is his salvation for the man, for the woman, full of both good and bad, righteousness and unrighteousness, purity and impurity? And the answer we have to give is this, yes. We see it in the story, God loved and saved Hezekiah. If God loved and saved Hezekiah, he can save mixed bag people like you and me. And so in light of all of this, the gospel makes its call to you today. It beckons and calls, insisting that we all go to God through Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And if we do that, the gospel comes to us this morning promising. And here is the promise. If you go to God through Jesus, your sins will not be remembered ever again. He'll cast them all behind his back. And the gospel offers joy this morning. Do you want joy? Well, go to God through Jesus this morning. Because if you do that, you will get to say this for the rest of your days. You have loved my soul. You have loved my soul. 
Those are your words, Christian, for the rest of your life. You can take those words up every morning and say this to God. You have loved my soul, and I know it. It doesn't matter what happens to me today because you've loved my soul. And it gives you hope because you can look to the future and you can say this, the Lord, he will save me. The Lord, he's going to save me. I know it because I've gone to God through the son who died for sinners. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are so thankful for the gospel this morning. We have nothing outside of Jesus. Nothing. The only thing that waits us outside of Jesus is hopelessness. But you have sent your son for sinners. So we are ever thankful. And so we ask now that you would give us renewed faith so that we would continue to cling to Jesus. And you would cause us to remember the gospel that you've taken all of our sins and you've cast them behind your back. We pray that you would fill us with joy this morning, that we would say every day to our hearts, God has loved my soul. And you would fill us with hope this morning that we would look to the future and say, the Lord will save me. The Lord will save me. And so, Father, we pray all of this in your son's name.